Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, it's good to uh, be recording another episode. I think this is going to be a great little series that we're going to start today. Um, we've covered all kinds of topics now for uh, ranging you know, from specific doctrinal topics to cultural issues, things for the congregation. We haven't done a whole lot of things for other pastors. And of course, um, you know, just the general body of Christ benefits from any teaching in Scripture. And so uh, we're going to start a series today on the qualifications of an elder um, and just kind of work through what it, what the Bible's expectations are, um, what men should be thinking about if they're considering uh, going into the pastorate. Um, and then I think this also just be good for congregation members to kind of know what the role is, um, maybe something of the weight of the role. Um and things that pastors are thinking about have to think about the kinds of things that they'll answer to the Lord for. And so um, I think that'd be helpful for kind of all of those groups of people. Yeah, that sounds good. And I, I think this is a role that um, a lot of people who fill it are not are not fit to do it. Um, and there may be a lot of people out there who are fit to do it, but um, are made nervous or unsure um, because they um, they just don't know if they meet these things or how they go about finding out whether they should fulfill this role or not. So I think this is a good discussion. And for people that are looking for a church or people that are in churches, this is a good way to really view the um, importance that lies behind this role and, and how to regard that role. And when you're going to a church, uh, what kind of qualities you're looking for from someone in that role? Are you looking for a true shepherd, or are you looking for someone more like a CEO? And obviously, I think you guys already know which direction we're going to lead in. And I think these qualifications help uh, to mark what the differences will be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me go to, I mean, kind of the the, the very first place that anyone would go to in the book of Timothy, First Timothy. And let me just read this, and then we'll just kind of go in and dissect it um, and give some commentary. So First Timothy chapter 3. Verse one, he says, it's a trustworthy saying. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a good work. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but considerate, peaceable, free from the love of money, leading his own household well, having his children in submission with all dignity. If a man does not know how to lead his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then, of course, Paul goes into deacons. Um, and so I think on this episode, well, before we kind of get into it, and we're just going to focus on this, this first part here, aspiring and desiring. Um, and I think that's maybe like hardest for most guys who are considering coming into the ministry um, as an elder, whether it be lay or full-time. I don't make 
a, a distinction there because uh, I don't think scripture does. I think the qualifications are exactly the same. Um, and, uh, but it's a hard one. And, and then we'll just kind of go into in the following episodes. But before we get to that, there's a term here that is probably used, you know, it, it is used differently in different churches. Um, and that's, he uses the term overseer in this text. So why don't you just kind of talk to us briefly, sort of set us up with the words, the different words in scripture used to describe the same office of pastor, because there are a few different words, right? Yeah, and I think in, um, in in Titus he uses the word elder. Here we see overseer. It's from the Greek word uh, episkope, and that's where we get episcopalian. Uh, don't get thrown off by it. Uh, the denomination denomination episcopalian is not what we're talking about, but it's just really referring to one who has spiritual oversight. And and the translation into English I think is a fine translation. Overseer. It's literally one who oversees the uh, the congregation, that the flock of God. Um, so th- those are common terms. There's elder, there's uh, there's overseer, uh, bishop is another word that uh, sometimes comes up. Same kind of meaning, same kind of term. So it, they're just um, they're they're not really within the church. I, I see two two primary offices, and that's elder and deacon. And uh, within the elders, uh, you, when we do the comparison between elders and deacons, you'll find that the main difference is that an elder must be able to to, to preach, right? And so elders are essentially overseers. Uh, they they function as pastors, though there may be in some churches you may have a plurality of elders, which I think is a good model to have, and uh, perhaps one that you designate as as the primary shepherd, the primary pastor. Um, sometimes that's where we get the term senior pastor or lead pastor. Um, those are not those are not uh, descriptions that are often found in scripture, but it's usually meant to just distinguish what the focus is for for elders, but. All elders are overseers, and and all elders share in the duty of shepherding. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to know, you know. So those terms, you know, bishop, elder, overseer, um, all, all the same thing in scripture. It's it's all different words used in scripture to describe the same office, and so I think it's a good place to start. So let's talk about this difficult question now. Um, you, you had to work through this. I had to work through this every. Uh, every man who is is a pastor has to work through this at some stage when he's looking to the ministry. Um, it says it's a trustworthy saying, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. Now, the, the word aspire there means to stretch out or to reach out. Let's just talk about that um, for a few minutes, because there are, you know, if you consider the church across our nation— it, you have people in the role of elders for all sorts of reasons, um, right? I mean, you if you even if you just look at well, you could look at any denomination actually, and you'll find this to be true, e- even in our own circles, right? Because there's human nature you deal with. So um, some guys are elders just out of need. Um, it, you know, there was no one in the congregation. Uh, they you know, the church felt like they needed more elders for one reason or another, and it may have been a legitimate need. And so guys just volunteered because, you know, it was a good thing to do. They were, you know, older men in the congregation, or they were the more mature men in the congregation. Sometimes it's because they have business experience. Um, Some guys get in and volunteer just because they want authority, uh, because they have a gift for um, oration, just a, a general oratory gift. 
And so you have all kinds of different reasons, uh, you know, guys would be elders. But the first qualification, and I would argue this is the first qualification, is that there has to be an aspiring. And so this is quite different when I think about this word. It actually, I was thinking about this morning, that this is not like the stereotypical you going to a guy and saying, hey, would you like to, um, I, I think I see this in you, would you consider it? I think that's okay. Yeah. But the response of that person is one who actually has to then pursue it himself. I mean, yeah. he has to reach out. He has to want it. Um, he has to be working towards um, diligently seeing if he's qualified. You know, there has to be that ambition, if I can use that term, because this is a good, you know, not all ambitions are bad. So it's a good ambition, but it has to be there. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think when you have the ambition, the other part of it is examining the motivation behind the ambition. And with regards to other people, um, it's good to receive also confirmation from, from other people that they see that kind of capability in you. So there are, there is there are times where we'll say that you really shouldn't be a pastor unless you have been called to be one or you felt like you've been called to be one. And and this is usually the um, the argument against that. Well, you don't have to be called; you just have to want it, because that's what it says in First Timothy three one. Well, it's not one or the other; it's actually both. Um, yeah. A person has to want to be in that position, but also has to have confirmation from others that they indeed have those kinds of qualifications and have been uh, discipled or examined by others who are elders that see the right kind of motivation behind it. So when we talk about ambition, we're not talking about ambition sheerly for power. We're not talking about ambition sheerly for recognition, right? Um, I, I hear stories of uh, of kids that are coming out of college and they're trying to figure out what to do. And they think, oh, I, I, let me try being a pastor. That sounds like a good thing to, to try out. Well, that's that's not fitting what we talk about here in 1 Timothy 3.1. A person who truly has ambition for the role of being a pastor, an elder, an overseer, um, has to really desire to be one, but have an understanding of what it takes, what is involved, um, not simply just look at it and say, hey, this is a, this is something I may want to try to do, um, or maybe this will be plan B. I'll, I'll try to be an engineer, and if an engineer doesn't work out, I'll try to be a pastor, or if a pastor doesn't work out, I'll try to be an engineer. You know, that kind of thinking um, is is not what what's being described here. Yeah. And I think, again, you know, to go back, it's not that it's inappropriate for an elder to go to someone and say, you know, I think you may have the qualities, you know, is that something that is in your heart? I mean, sometimes God uses that to sort of prompt that desire. But then I think for the man himself, you know, he has to really ask himself the question, you know, am, it, is this something that's welling up in inside me? Um, do, do I want to do this? I mean, do I really feel like this is something God wants me to do? And I think there are kind of two um, sort of different ways God uses this. I and mean, we don't see this in scripture, but when we think about the difference between what we would call a lay elder and someone who it's their their, their full time, you know, their occupation to yeah. do it, it, you know, there are other things to consider, obviously, but I think that... Um, that uh, the, the person has to be willing to say, yeah, I'm going to go for this, basically, right? And that's the first part of this passage, to, to stretch out or to reach out, um, uh, oregate. The second word here is desiring a good work. 
So it says if any man aspires to the office. So in other words, he's pursuing the office. And then the second, and it, it describes that as a desire, as desiring a good work. And the word here means to long for. Um, and so this kind of comes to, I mean, you have the first part where he's willing to do the work, right? He's coming to the elders. Yeah. He's pursuing um, this possibility. He's doing the work on his end. It still doesn't mean he's qualified, but that has to be there. You know, it's not just someone sitting back waited, waiting to be, um, you know, chosen, as it were. Um, but then you have this desire here, and it's something that it, the text says that they should long for. Now, that's an interesting thing. Um, and you said this already. Just because you long for something doesn't mean it's from God either. And so just keep this in context. There are a whole um, litany of other qualifications is just starting with these two. And so if you don't have these two things, then you really don't need to go any further. You know, it's not that it may not be that you aren't, you know, that you shouldn't be a deacon or that you're not just a godly Christian. It would just mean you're not called right to the role of an elder. And I mean, this is a particular role in the church. It's a special calling in the church. Um, everyone is to serve in the church. Everyone's given gifts in the church, yeah. but few are are genuinely called by the Holy Spirit uh, to become elders. And so there has to be this deep longing. Now, this is the thing that it, I think really gets guys. Um, you know, do I really have this longing? Am I really called? Um, talk to us a little bit that uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote. Um, yeah. He may, he, he's off the top of my head. I think he wrote more on this particular thing than anyone else I can think of, um, think of uh, lots of guys has written, written about it, but he goes into detail. Um, but let's talk about this longing. What, what does that look like? Um, what, what did it look like for you? How could we help guys kind of decide whether what, what they have is a longing for the office or maybe just a longing to serve in general. And they're just saying, well, this is one way I could do that. Talk yeah. to us about those kind of different things. Yeah, my, my mind immediately went to Spurgeon as well. And I mean, if you're in this position and trying to figure out, is this where the Lord is leading you? His his, um, his books, Lectures to My Students, um, are great resources for anyone, um, but especially for those who are uh, aspiring to go into pastoral ministry. Um, I can say that for myself. When I was saved, it was pretty quickly when people were providing me feedback that they think that I have the gift of teaching. I was involved in a, a men's a book study group. We were reading um, Jonathan Edwards uh, um, the about God's holiness, and we were taking turns leading each other through each chapter. And when I when it was my turn to lead, I kind of led them through the chapter, and then I got that kind of feedback. And then eventually it turned into me becoming a teacher of Fundamentals of the Faith at Grace Community Church. That's the same class that actually God used to save me. Um, and then when I started teaching that class, I was getting a lot of feedback. And, and I think at one point, at this time, I'm still full-time working in the corporate world. I hadn't started seminary, wasn't even thinking about it just yet. But at some point, my desire to serve the Lord started to become much, much greater than my desire for the working world. In fact, I, I started to feel like the working world was getting in the way of my desire to do ministry. Yeah. And so I think that was the first sign to me that uh, my calling um, may be leading me to more full-time ministry rather than working in the corporate world. And 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 I had the support of my pastor, uh, Bill Shannon at Grace Community Church. We 
we sat down, my, my wife and I, we sat down with him and actually we sat down with him for a postmarital counseling session because he had uh, been our uh, wedding official um, just eight months prior. And for everyone he officiates, he calls them to come in for a postmarital counseling session. So we did that and, uh, and, and I was happy with the way the marriage was going. My wife was happy with the way the marriage was going. And so I just asked a, a simple question, how do you go about making that transition from full-time work to full-time ministry? Because I know he had once been a salesperson and he went through that transition himself. And, uh, and, and long story short, he, he basically recommended I go ahead and fill out an application for seminary. And when I spoke to him much later about that conversation, he revealed to me that he, he, he'd been watching me from afar and he's been hearing the feedback about my teaching and noticing that people were coming to me. And so in his mind, he was thinking, okay, um, it's just a matter of time. I think he's going to be led in this direction, but he wasn't going to approach me with it. He was waiting for me to approach him with it. And so that was the first step for me, very much similar to the the, the kind of um, description that you've been providing that, you know, it's got to be something in your heart. And and for me, it started to, again, work just felt like it was getting in the way of my, de my desire to ministry. And on the other hand, you, I had someone who was a um, a seasoned uh, pastor that was kind of observing me from a distance and kind of noticing the direction I was in. And, and he was there to provide the affirmation when I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, regardless of how it comes to you, whether, you know, it's someone in your church that's said, hey, you know, maybe you should consider this or, you know, just through the course of your own life, um, you, you start thinking about it really the need to dig down and say, is this something that, you know, this longing for, I would argue, which is in line with what Spurgeon teaches, it really needs to be such an overwhelming thing um, that you just can't get away from it, yeah. you know? And, and I would say if that, if that's not there, then find other ways to serve in the church, but don't, don't become an elder, um, you, you know? And so a, another good book, so you're referencing, we're talking about Spurgeon's lectures to my students. Yeah. Um, Fantastic book. It will it will scare any desire of being an elder out of you if God hasn't yeah. called you. I would definitely recommend reading it. Another well, and, and, good book. And, and, and yeah, real quick, um, wasn't it? Spurgeon said, "If you can imagine doing anything else, then don't become yeah. a pastor." I mean, that was yeah. th that was really the the famous kind of nugget of wisdom from Spurgeon is that this is not something that you put into a here's plan A, here's plan B, here's plan C. No, yeah. this is where you feel like this is this is the only option for you because you know your love and desire to be in the ministry so far outstrips everything else that it's no longer just merely an option it's the way that you feel compelled to move forward and you can't imagine being anything else yeah yeah and i think for lay guys um i i would say that the only difference would be that you would not feel like you could be I, i'll say the word content um, with doing anything else in, in, in your, in your spare time, you know, yeah. I, I don't think, um, obviously every man can't be a paid man in the church. Um, larger churches can bring on more, you know, full-time men, but if you're, you know, if your situation would, would mean that you would be a lay elder, I think that same general thought has to be there, but with your time outside of providing for your family. And so I think the question you would ask is, you know, is there anything else you could be content doing when you're not providing for your family? Um, 
And and if the answer keeps coming back to no, I I I I want to pour everything else into the church. I want to shepherd God's people. I want to love God's people. I want to teach God's people. Um, that would be, I think, in that scenario, the equivalent, right? Um, and then, you know, maybe one day God makes a way for that to be a full-time thing. Maybe, maybe doesn't, but, um, I, I would say that it would, would be that scenario. Another good book is from XL Ministries. Um, it, it's one that I've, I've started using called Considering Eldership. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would recommend guys reading that first as well. It sort of takes you through, um, the role of an elder, sort of the weightiness of the office, um, and really just kind of informs the person of uh, what they need to know to be able to ask the question, do I feel called to this? I mean, I mean, what we don't want to do is make decisions just based on our feeling. I mean, we're using that term right. longing for, but I, I think it's not a longing out of ignorance, right? right. I, right. I mean, you need to know, you need to understand what the role requires and then that longing comes alongside and is an agreement or is in with the understanding of what the role is, you know, cause it's not a, sir, it's not just a, it's not a serving tables role. That, that's a deacon. Um, you know, it's, it's far weightier than that. You will one day stand before God and you'll give an account for the souls of the people in the church that ought to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. And it's a, high calling and it, you know, it's, it's glorious, but it's terrifying. And so uh, that longing has to be there knowing all of those things. So those are two good books, considering eldership for, from XL ministries, you can get it for free. And uh, Charles Spurgeon's lectures to my students. If you can get past that book, Charles Spurgeon's yeah. book yeah. and still think, yes, I'm called to this. Then, then if, if between his book and uh, the recognition of the church and the elders around you, then you're definitely called, I think. Um, yeah, that book's terrifying. I, I read it every now and then again, and I get to one section, and I'm like, maybe I should quit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but then I can't, you know, uh, just because I, I'm compelled to move forward. But it's, it's a sobering book. So, yeah. It, it, so any, any other thoughts about, like, either the – purposefully reaching out or the, the kind of longing, maybe if you think about um, some others that you've helped in the past work through this, or how might this play out in various church contexts? Maybe that'd be helpful for some people. Yeah. You know, I, I think the other part of this that we haven't um, touched on yet is, is really giftedness. Um, are you gifted to this kind of um, position? And uh, again, when we think about deacons and, and elders, anyone who is uh, walking faithfully and, uh, and and wants to serve the church um, can can be qualified to be an elder. Uh, but when we talk about, I mean, t- talk can, can be qualified to be a deacon. Sorry, but when we talk about elders, the primary difference is being able to teach. Now, that's not to say that being able to teach is all that an elder must be able to do, um, but it's certainly not less than that. So, I think there's also a, a giftedness aspect in, in which someone needs to really receive sound feedback from good, mature Christians as to whether they see in them the the giftedness of what is required to do the, the work from a teaching standpoint uh, and not merely just from a character standpoint. Now, from a character standpoint, there there needs to be a strong character, and we'll talk about that when we go through each of these um, yeah. each of these attributes. Um, but that there needs to be this 
uh, I will call an intangible uh, leadership quality where people trust you and come to you for for leadership guidance and advice. If you're not the kind of person that people um, that that people seek out counsel from, if you're not the kind of person that people respect uh, after they've gotten to know you, then there there's probably something missing there. Not to say that you're not respectable, but you know th- those are the kinds of things that you you want to be able to work out with someone that you trust within the church, someone who's been a mature Christian. I, I do have someone in my church, a young man, a uh, very quiet and reserved individual. And he came with uh, me and a bunch of other guys to Shepherd's Conference last year. And I found out uh, through that trip that he's interested in possibly considering this path of becoming a minister, becoming a pastor. And shortly after that, we gave him some opportunities to do some speaking and to do some teaching of youth. And, and, and now he's just completing a fundamentals of the faith class where he's teaching others and and he's doing a fantastic job right so i mean those are the kinds of things that within the the church you know you we see that desire and we'll start to give him uh, small roles or um, or opportunities to to be able to read scripture to a congregation or to teach youth or to uh, teach a class and and those are great opportunities to see how how he responds to that to see uh, is his teaching clear? Is it um, is it faithful? And and what's the feedback from the others who are in that group? So he's been teaching fundamentals of faith, and we've got a lot of younger believers, some of them brand new believers in that class. And one of the good signs to me is that he's gotten all the way to the end, and the class has only grown; it hasn't shrunk. And and people really enjoy his teaching, and they're now looking forward to doing something else with him as the teacher. So that's a that's a really good sign. And those are the kinds of things that. As a pastor, I'm going to look for. So if someone is expressing that kind of desire, I would say talk to your pastor, talk to your elder, and see if there are opportunities where you can do a reading of scripture, where you can um, be take on more of a role in, in a prayer meeting, or you know teach a class, or have an opportunity to teach youth. And, and teaching youth, whether it's like um, elementary school kids or junior high or high school kids, but especially elementary school kids, I think that's a great opportunity as well. Um, because it really tests how clear you are in your communication. Can you take something from Scripture and be able to teach it in a way that children would be able to understand it? Um, so those are all great opportunities, but you you want to be able to talk to someone trustworthy who uh, is a mature Christian, preferably an elder, but it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's an elder. But eventually, I think you want to get to that point where you're talking to someone at that level. Yeah, and I think it, you mentioned a bunch of things there. And Sometimes people don't know um, if if they can teach well, and I mean we'll get to that when we talk about what apps teach means. But it really really gives a sense of being proficient. Everybody can teach right something, yeah. um, but but the issue is whether it's proficient in teaching or not, and um, and, and theologically right theological teaching. You 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 may be proficient in teaching you know s- social sciences which is a joke yeah. but anyway um or geography we'll, we'll use a, a real thing um but that doesn't mean you you're proficient in teaching doctrine theology um and and so but it may be that you need opportunities to discover that right and so i i i would discourage guys from eliminating themselves if they have the desire just because they think okay well i don't really think i'm gifted because um you know, I really haven't done any of any of this stuff. Um, you know, oftentimes, uh, I think all the time, you don't discover y- your giftings until um, you're you're being faithful in the church. But that kind of brings me to that point. 
Um, if you're not already serving in the church, if you're not already encouraging other believers, if you're not already, if you don't already have a life of prayer and interest in the faith in your own spirituality. And when I mean, when I say interest, I mean like, you know, you're doing more for your own spiritual health than just Sunday morning, Wednesday night. If that's not there, you're not qualified. Um, because the idea is that this is a mature called man. You're already doing some of those things. You may not be teaching. Um, you may not even be having a ton of people coming to you for advice necessarily, but it, it would people in the church know you to be someone who's faithfully serving and, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's a very, that, that's a good litmus test at the front end. You know, if you're not already serving in some capacity, in some way, if you're not already edifying the saints, if you're not already praying for people, then you're not qualified. It doesn't mean you may not become so in the future. Uh, but, but at the moment, at least I would say you're, you're not. Um, because I think a lot of guys get wind of the potential to be in leadership and they haven't really been faithful in the church. They're coming Sunday, maybe they're coming Wednesday and that's it. And, and it's the idea of being, becoming a leader in the church. And then they say, okay, yeah, I'd like to do that. Um, well, but the problem is this isn't a leadership ladder that you can climb up like the world, you know, this is something that should be primarily indicative of the Christian character, which is, by the way, every one of these qualifications, except for one, well, except for the, really this one, the desire and being able to teach everything else is character. God Mm -hmm. has to give the desire. um, And he also has to give you the ability to teach. Everything else is about character. Um, And we'll kind of get into those as we move along. But I, I think this is a pretty short one. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, on this other than, you know, if whether you're approached or there's something that starts welling up inside you, I would say um, it's okay that if in the end you decide it's not a calling, you just love the church. And yeah. maybe it, it you just find somewhere else to serve. But I would also uh, say never downplay it. You know, work with your, your elders in the church, work with other believers and find out whether it's, you know, God calling you to, um, to to be a leader in the church, an elder in the church, or maybe it just is becomes an affirmation of your love and care for the church in general. And maybe there's a deacon role, or you just become one of the the faithful, you know, uh, men in the church who help encourage and equip and grow with whatever gifts and talents God's given you. Uh, but I wouldn't minimize it. I, I, w- I would discover, you know, go into a process of discovery and just see what God has. Last thoughts from you? Yeah, a, a few verses uh, come to mind, and and I just want to point these out because this this role of overseer is also an extremely important role. All right. I mean, when you think about the Old Testament, what, what was one of the primary failings of the Old Testament? And I'm looking at Ezekiel chapter 34. Starting at verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened, the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up. 
The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the, for the lost, but with force and severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains, and on every high hill my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there is no one to search for them. And verse 7, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord as I live. Surely, because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for a lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed the flock. And last two verses here, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them, and I will make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their from their mouth so that they will not be food for them and he goes on in in various ways and in, in, in to various prophets that he's going to raise up shepherds for himself and when you think about the end of the book of John when John has that uh, conversation I'm sorry not John but Jesus had that conversation with Peter at the end of the book of John and asks him three times do you love me do you love me do you love me and Peter each time affirms it, and Jesus' response is, "Feed the flock, tend the lambs," and that is that. That's how that that book uh, of John, the Gospel of John, ends. It's really on that note of now I'm calling you to go out and shepherd my flock. So this is a very high calling. Um, th this is not something that um, we we think of as oh, you know, Johnny can't do a lot of things, so let him just go ahead and be a pastor. No, this is this is a calling. Um, you must have giftedness. Um, you must have some positive feedback from those who are leaders within the church uh, as you work through this process. You must have that desire, but have that desire recognizing that this is one of the highest callings within the church, which is to be the overseer because you bear a great amount of responsibility, which is why you must be able to teach, which is why all these characters, characteristics that we're going to talk about are so important. Very, very important role treat it uh, with utmost uh, of importance. And there's one other book that um, comes to mind as well. Um, I'm not too keen on recommending Paul Tripp a whole lot these days, but he did write a book called Dangerous Calling that I think also walks through a lot of the pitfalls and traps that pastors have fallen into. Um, so this has to be something that you feel compelled to. You're, you're called by God, you're gifted by God, you have a desire and, and a longing to do it, and you recognize not only how important that role is, but just how how dangerous it is uh, to be in that role if you shouldn't be in that role. Yeah. Yeah. James 3.1, do not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Um, so yeah, don't take this one episode and decide you should be an elder, get through all the rest of them too. And so- um, well, good, good thoughts, brother. Well, I hope this has been uh, helpful for for you guys, and even for the guys who, you know, are just in the congregation, so that you start getting a sense of what God's expectation and the role of an elder is. It's in the Bible, and so all of us should understand this. It's not just for elders to understand what the purpose and role of elders are. It's for the body of Christ. Um, he puts it in here so that we might understand. Um, what he expects of his church and what he expects of his leaders um, and and what he expects just of the body of Christ. And so I hope this has been helpful. want to remind you, uh, if you haven't uh, been to our YouTube channel, want to encourage you to do that. Hit the subscribe button 
as always, we uh, love to hear from you. You can send us an email. Those details will be in the show notes. Uh, if you have an idea for a topic you'd like for us to cover, um, do that. And uh, by the way, exciting news. I just pulled up recently um, kind of our, uh, how far our broadcast is going. I think I've only done that one other time. We're in 99 countries at the moment. Wow. Um, wow. And uh, I mean, just what what a blessing and a privilege it is that God would take, you know, just two nobody pastors. I mean, you're That's somebody. Right. No, you're somebody. I'm... You're somebody special to your wife and um, <laughs> to my wife. But, yes. uh, and me to mine. But, you know, <laughs> God's just so gracious that we take a little podcast like ours and encourage the body across the world with it. And so um, hope, hope for you, you guys. It's also helpful. And uh, until next time. Let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.